If you would turn your Bible to Second Chronicles chapter 16. Second Chronicles chapter 16, beginning at verse 1. I'm going to talk about the Lord looks on the heart. Second Chronicles chapter 16, beginning at verse 1. In the sixth and thirtieth year of the reign of Asa, Baasha, king of Israel, came up against Judah and built Ramah to the intent that he might let none go out or come into Asa, king of Judah. Then Asa brought out silver and gold out of the treasures of the house of the Lord and of the king's house, and said to Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, that dwelt at Damascus, saying, There is a league between me and thee, as there was between my father and thy father. Behold, I have sent thee silver and gold. Go, break thy league with Baasha, king of Israel, that he may depart from me. And Ben-Hadad hearkened unto king Asa, and said the captains of his armies against the cities of Israel, and they smote Ijon, and Dan, and Abelmaim, and the stores cities of Naphtali. Down to verse 7. And at that time Hanani, the seer, came to Asa, king of Judah, and said unto him, because thou hast relied on the king of Syria and not relied on the Lord thy God, therefore is the host of the king of Syria escaped out of thine hand. Were not the Ethiopians and the Lubims a huge host with very many chariots and horsemen? Yet, because thou didst rely on the Lord, he delivered them into thy hand. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in behalf of them whose heart is perfect towards him. Herein thou hast done foolishly, therefore from henceforth thou shalt have wars. <clears throat> I know uh, last time I was here we read some of this, we read the first part. We're talking about the treasures and not using the treasures of our lives to exchange for something else. Because then our ability to worship the Lord is diminished. But if we continue, <clears throat> then we read that Asa was admonished or corrected by the Lord's prophet. And the key thing out of this for me is verse 9. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in behalf of them whose heart is perfect towards him. That's the core of what I would like to talk about this time, is that the Lord, the man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. It may seem that it is only with those who are well known, who have a profile, who have some value to exchange, that they can expect to have some support. Generally, people, we, nations, individuals, groups, companies, have a desire to be recognized as part of something bigger. It gives credibility. 
it gives recognition. It brings cooperation. It brings people together. Farmers do it. They generate cooperatives. Drivers do it. Unions do it. Builders, in industry representatives, politicians band together. In our region, we have the ASEAN Association of Southeast Asian Nations. It helps with economic and security type initiatives in this region. In Europe, there's the European Union. There's the... I forgot what the... Uh, what I just dropped out of my head. The OECD, Organization of Economic Development. I've forgotten what that one is. There's the United Nations. There's the Arab League. Arab nations realize that they need to band together. They rely on the group. They, they seek and expect support from a group. And King Asa expected support because he had some recognition, because the fathers knew each other, because he had exchanged some treasures which you shouldn't have. And he was expecting to receive something in return. But that does, that's not how it works with God. It doesn't matter who you are or who you not are. What resources you have available to you or you don't. Whether you're hidden, whether you're in the back places of somewhere, God wants to demonstrate his power in your life if your heart is perfect towards him. And this applies two ways that I was looking at that. This applies to us individually, personally, and this applies to us in relation to others. This principle of having the perfect heart towards him applies to me, applies to how I look at others. <clears throat> God knows our hearts. He knows our motives. He knows the reasons why we do things. We need to be honest to ourselves. We need to choose to serve, to submit, to trust, not make excuses, to be disciplined with self. We need, and we have examples of right actions that we can take part in. We attend church, camps, activities. We spend time with people over meals. We may participate in songs, helps, administration, cleaning, music, projector operators, ushers, teaching, website, looking, at the, looking after website, paying bills, greet people. We may include people, speak with people, may fast and may sacrifice. But the motive for these actions is really what's important. A silence is an action that can be compliance. It can also be defiance. The motive the act of the action, why, is more important to God than the action itself. You know, we can attend church, but we can attend church for the wrong reasons. People may be looking for a social network. People may be looking for a network marketing network. People may be looking for a spouse. Or people may be looking to 
appease their conscience. They've done their duty and they have come to church. We can have people over for a meal. As he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink, he saith to thee, but his heart is not with thee. Tricky words. Person's head you over for a meal, spend time with you, but it doesn't really care that you're there at all. We may take part in songs, in cleaning, in music, in all kinds of tasks. We can teach, we can speak with people. We can fast, we can sacrifice. But are the motives correct? <clears throat> the motive for the action is more important than the action itself. It is possible to do it wrong. <clears throat> That's why if you look at it the other way around, it's so hurtful to people who are trying to do the right thing and they're misunderstood and they're dismissed. It's hurtful because their motive is right. They're trying to do the right thing. But we don't understand. We just brush them off. And that's hurtful. But let's have a look at God gives, gives us examples. <clears throat> right at the very beginning in Leviticus, God gives instructions on sacrifice. Sacrifice, it was God's way of people worshipping him, acknowledging him. We have seven chapters in the book of Leviticus. <clears throat> Read all different types of sacrifices. The Lord says, give a sacrifice, an offering to be, burned, a, uh, to be a burned sacrifice, an offering made by fire of a sweet savour, a pleasing savour unto the Lord of a bullock, a cow, or sheep, a sweet-smelling savour unto the Lord, or a bird shall be divided, an offering made of a sweet savour unto the Lord. There's also incense, the swell, smell of a sweet incense before the Lord. And the priest shall put some of the blood upon the horns of the altar of sweet incense before the Lord. These things God gave as instructions to the nation of Israel that they would worship him and sacrifice, sacrifice to him, they acknowledge him. But when the motive is wrong, God doesn't delight in those things. <clears throat> in, uh, we've got that example right. We don't have to go very far. Word of God says in one of the prophets, when the nation of Israel had, and Judah had declined, they were taking part in these things. They were offering sacrifices. They were burning incense. But this is what the Lord says through the prophet to the nation. To this man will I look, even to him that is poor and of a contrite heart, spirit, that trembles at my word. He that kills an ox is as if he slew a man. He that sacrifices a lamb is as if he cut off a dog's neck. He that offers an oblation is as if he offered swine's blood. He that burns incense is as if he blessed an idol. Yea, they have chosen their ways, and their soul delighteth in their abomination. The very things 
that God chose to be an offering, to be a worship action of worship, the same thing, same action is abhorrent to God because of the motive, because of the reason why so. We can actually look at another one. There's more. There's lots of examples of what, how we can serve the Lord or seemingly serve the Lord, but not quite. We read, and this one here, Wherefore have we fasted? This is the nation of Judah, talking back to God. Say they, and yet thou seest not, you don't see. Wherefore have we afflicted our soul, and thou takest no knowledge? You don't know what we're doing. Behold, in the day of your fast, you find pleasure, and exact all your labors. Behold, you fast for strife and debate, and to smite with the fist of wickedness. You shall not so fast as ye do this, to make your voice to be heard. Is it such a, such a fast that I have chosen, a day for a man to afflict his soul? Is it to bow down his head as a bulrush, and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Will thou call this a fast, an acceptable day to the Lord? God asks us to fast, encourages us to fast, but for the right, with the right motive, the right reason to do so. We read, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins, interpretation, emotions, even to give, to repay to every man according to his ways. We have another reference. The heart is deceitful, desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the reins. I know where you're heading. Actions that don't match up with knowledge, with thinking, with reasons, with latitude are disjointed. If we, even outside of the Bible, outside of God's ways, there are behavioral observers who've noted something called cognitive dissonance. Cognitive meaning referring to thought or knowledge and dissonance being difference or inconsistency. So cognitive dissonance or knowing something but being inconsistent in behavior is something that has been noted um, with behavior for a long time and it's, it's well known of. And people, we, I, can put up with differences in our thinking, in our attitude, with actions around us for some time. But eventually, something will have to give. Something will have to change. Either our thoughts will have to change to our behavior, or our behavior will have to change to our thoughts. We can put up with a difference for some time. 
But in time, there are re- there are have been found, and I think these make sense. Multiple reasons why these may or may not align over time. How important is it that these things align? Is it important or not? What you're thinking, what your motive is, and what your action is? It's not very important. They stay separate. If the difference is imposed externally, in other words, you don't have control over the behavior or the actions, or if you don't have choice, you don't have control over that, you'll put up with that difference. But otherwise, you'll try and bring it in. If there is a reward or for the action, for the behavior, then we may put up with it. Examples of these are, it may not seem very important for, may not have seen very important for Aaron's sons who were serving in the tabernacle that there is a fire that God said that they can use and not use. It didn't seem that important. But they found out when they used the wrong fire that wasn't from the altar that God had authorized that their lives were taken. Because there was a difference between knowing and doing. If the difference is externally imposed, as it was in the case of Cedric, Michigan, and Abednego, they had no control, no choice. Into the fire you go, bow down. If not, you go into the fire. It would have been easy. Those boys were the exiles of uh, Israel and Judah. And it was foretold that they would be bowing down to other gods. It was foretold. They would go to, to the nations of Assyria and Syria and all those places. But these boys recognized that we serve only one God. And even though there was a big difference between the thought and action, they chose to stick with what they knew, and that is to serve the Lord. And if it means their lives will be taken, so be it. But they weren't. If the reward in the action, if there is a great reward for the action, we might change our thinking, as King Asa did, who gave away the treasures, who thought that somebody else would deliver him and his nation, and so he paid the penalty. What God expects, how God looks at things, is not the same how people look at things. This may be a behavioral understanding, and it's not bad, but we know from God's word there is more to it. We don't have to go very far at the very beginning. When the Lord sent Samuel to anoint, the, to anoint a king, Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him, for the Lord seeth not as man seeth, For man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. The Lord looks on the heart, and that's how he decides whether the actions, well, actions don't matter so much, but if where the thought is, then the actions will be the right ones. We read in Ephesians 6, sometimes we skip over this, because it says, Servants! That belongs to a different time period and they had servants in those days and we can just skip over that. But if we read through it, 
Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in singleness of your heart, in singleness of your heart, sincerity of your heart, as unto Christ. Not with eye service externally, as men pleasers, just doing it so that you can be seen to be doing the right thing externally, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. With goodwill doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. You know, we are servants. This doesn't just refer to a servant who was paid or not paid very much in a different era. We are servants of the Lord, and this applies to us as well. We can serve the Lord with singleness of heart, sincerity. As unto Christ, not with eye service, not just making it look like it, as men pleases, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, knowing that whatsoever good thing you do, the same shall receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. This is what God is interested in. God's not interested in the external packaging as, he, as much as he is with the contents. God certainly does look for a certain external, in the case of certain functions he provides in church with priests, there was a certain presentation that was required, but what was required first was the heart. If we look at John the Baptist, he wasn't much to look at. What he ate, we probably would have said, we don't really want to hang around with a person like that. Um, maybe the way he spoke, the way he dressed, the way he, the, he um, his lifestyle... But there was something in his heart, a service to the Lord that was the core. You know, it, it comes down to the reference. Uh, this thing here is our reference. Uh, when we go to the library these days, maybe not so much in local public library, but there is still a section called a reference section, especially at universities. because They don't publish these things online quite so often and, and it takes time. But there are thick books with numbers and data in them to do with economics and law and science and engineering and strength of materials and viscosity and temperatures and, and the movement of air and all kinds of reference core material. It's just a plain cover. Most commonly it's just brown or black. It doesn't look like much. But it's accumulation of many years of work and research and lots of confirmation by lots of people and it's fact and you can, you can that's what our society with technology is built on not very exciting the packaging isn't great but it is the core of what enables our society to move forward in with the life and the, the, the things that we have today God is interested in the core things. If our focus is on appealing, on the external, on the packaging, on entertainment, on media, politics, we wouldn't need politics if we served the Lord. There was only a need for politics from the time that nations got kings and then had other people that had to advise them. And if we had a theocracy... If we serve the Lord, there wouldn't be politics. 
But that's how it is at the moment. Branding. Advertising. <clears throat> Using all kinds of technology just to find out how people think so that we can entice them to buy another one of these or to use one of these. It's great we've got the technology and nothing wrong with these things. But if we're elevating these things higher than the contents, there is something that's not right. Our focus is on a perfect heart with him so that we can be like we read the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth seek, seeking that he to make himself strong in the hearts of those uh, in the lives of those whose heart is perfect towards him if our hearts your heart is perfect towards him it doesn't matter who you are where you come from what your background is god will demonstrate himself powerful in your life that's the application to the individual. And there is another application. There's an application in how we see that to others. God chose the nation. God chose Abraham. Before that, Adam and Eve. Before that, Noah. God chose Abraham and from that, the nation of Israel. And although he chose them, God gave indications from very early that it wasn't just for Israel. We read that from the time they left Egypt, there was with them a great mixed multitude that went with them also. And when the laws, on, when the laws were being established, we read, One law shall be to him that is the homeborn, and unto the stranger that sojourns with you. There were some things, that there were some, there were some differences in what they could do. But the same law applied to the stranger. You know, when Ruth came from Moab back with uh, mother of Naomi, she was an outsider. She wasn't part of the nation of Israel. She was a Moabite. She was a widow of a guy called Malon, who was the son of a guy who went from Israel to Moab. And Moab was a place which were descendants of Lot with an unright relationship between his daughter. They were those people. And they were the same people when Israel came out of Egypt, said, no, you can't pass through this territory, and if you do, we'll, we'll cause you trouble. And then she was a widow. But... God saw something in her and she became part of the bloodline of Jesus. Her heart was right. There was Rahab of a questionable background as well when the spies came in to Jericho whose heart was right and she became part of the bloodline of Jesus as well. Naaman, who's a Syrian, not Israel. He served the Lord. In fact, he went with the knowledge of his king, sent a letter to the king of Israel. And when, he, when Naaman came back, he knew that, that uh, he was, uh, God had touched him. We read about Jonah and Nineveh. 
Nineveh is not Israel. Nineveh is part of what was Assyria. Assyria doesn't, Assyria doesn't exist today. Assyria was in a region which is around Turkey and Iran, Iraq and one other country. That kingdom was a large kingdom that stretched from India down to Egypt. And in fact, Mordecai and Esther were part of that as well. There was the widow of Zarepta, who was when Elijah sent him, when the brook dried out, and God saw something in her, and he provided for her and her son. She was a godly woman. We read she knew the Lord. He provided for her. He also provided for Elijah. Well, Elijah, we talk about Elijah, but God saw something in her, and he provided for her. There were other kingdoms, interestingly, I was going to mention this when we had our uh, All Nations Sunday, but, but kind of got left to, to this here. This I found very interesting. When Isaiah prophesied against Israel, he actually didn't prophesy just against Israel, but the nations around as well. And this is what we read. And the Lord shall be known to Egypt and to Egyptians. Shall, and the Egyptians shall know the Lord in that day, and shall do sacrifice and oblation. Yea, they shall vow a vow unto the Lord and perform it. And the Lord shall smite Egypt, and he shall smite and heal it, and they shall return even to the Lord, and he shall be entreated of them, and shall heal them. And that they shall there be a highway out of Egypt to Syria, and the Syrians shall come into Egypt, and the Egyptians into Syria, and the Egyptians shall serve with the Syrians. And that they shall Israel be the third with Egypt and Assyria, even a blessing in the midst of the land whom the Lord of hosts shall bless saying blessed be Egypt my people and Assyria the work of my hands and Israel my inheritance the point is it doesn't matter whether it's Assyria whether it's Moab whether it's Ammon whether it's Ethiopia whether it's Greece Italy if our heart is right towards him God is, is able to show himself strong in our lives. People can come from all kinds of places. There may even be people among us that we do not give attention to, pay attention to, but God knows their hearts. And God knows what he's doing in their lives. Let's not dismiss and avoid others. God knows them. And he's interested to show himself strong in the life of everyone who is, has a perfect right heart towards him. The things that were rejected by people, by Israel, became the foundation for, for, for God. We read in First uh, Peter 1, and unto you, therefore, which believe he's precious, but unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner. And a stumbling, and a stone of stumbling, and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto they were also appointed. The things that God looks at aren't the same as what 
people look at. The things that people see as a foundation, God dismisses. The actions we may do, God doesn't consider until he's checked the heart first. We know that it's not a case of anything goes. God does know the heart and the motive for the action. We know in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, many of us can quote this. For the word of God is quick and powerful. We know that the word in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. So when we read, for the word of God is quick, not just the word of God, but God also is quick and powerful. And sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of the soul and spirit. And he's a discerner, is able to discern, to divide, to judge between the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Second Chronicles 16.9 For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in behalf of them whose heart is perfect towards him. I need to make sure that my heart is perfect towards him. And I need to understand that some others that I might not recognize or know, that if their heart is right towards him, he will elevate them as well. He will deal with them. And I would do well to, to not dismiss people because of a different whatever because they might be a Moabite, because they might be from a different background. But God, is, God knows the hearts and the motives, able to deal with each one. Amen. Brother Simon.